Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have award-winning actress, game show host, and author, Kim Coles, who many know as the lovable Sinclair on the 90s hit TV show, Living Single. Coming up, I talked to Kim about the stars and TV shows that influenced her comedy, the challenges she faced as a young female comic in the late 80s, and the moment she knew living single was going to be iconic. Up next, Kim Coles. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. This week's theme is kindness is a gift. And guess what? It's a gift we can all afford to give. As you're on your path toward greatness, I'm here to remind you that your words actually matter. And how you treat people also matters. One single act of kindness has the potential of inspiring others and creating a rippling effect that keeps on giving. And kindness can manifest itself in many different ways. You can be kind by saying please to a stranger or thank you, a friendly smile, or even buying someone's coffee randomly while at the coffee shop. That random act may seem small, but you truly don't know the kinds of struggles mentally, physically, psychologically that someone else may actually be going through. I've been thinking a lot about the act of kindness lately because my next guest is all about that. Kim Coles is an actress, comedian, and entrepreneur whose showbiz career has spanned over 35 years. And yes, she has managed to stay authentic since the beginning. Coming up, I talked to Kim about how she actually felt the time she saw Whoopi's one-woman show in 1985. The origin of her living single character Sinclair's signature tagline and how she succeeded in staying true to herself after decades in this cold, cold entertainment industry. Up next, Kim Coles. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, 
entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is an award-winning actress, comedian, author, game show host, and motivational speaker who's known for so many iconic roles, including shows like In Living Color and Living Single. Now she's starring in the new Bounce TV show, Finding Happy, and she's staying busy on the reboot of VH1's reality show, The Surreal Life, which you can watch starting October 24th. It is my honor to welcome the hilarious Kim Coles to the Renaissance Man podcast. Next. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. I do my own sound effects, brother. Is that all right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah. only right. You earned the right. And I thank, thank you for sir. taking the time. I appreciate the love. Tell me about growing up in Brooklyn and when you figured out that you had talent for making others laugh. Do you know, Brooklyn is one of those places, um, and I'm sure there's other places like this on the earth somewhere, but Brooklyn is special. And especially at the time that I think I grew up there uh, in the late 60s and 70s, it's a, it's, it really is a beautiful melting pot of cultures and voices and food and accents and uh, just all the things. And so I think that being immersed in that in that world and going to school with people who were from different places and like I said different accents and different foods and different experiences I think gave me a wealth of experience a wealth of knowledge a wealth of um what's the word I'm looking for desire to learn and seek and learn more about people I just fell in love with people growing up there and and then coupled with what was happening on television at the time, all the great variety shows and, you know, Carol Burnett and, uh, you know, Ooh. Flip Wilson and, and, you know, falling in love with, you know, all of that that was happening on, on all those, all those shows. I didn't, I didn't say, Oh, I want to grow up to be a stand-up comedian or I want to grow up and be a, a comedic actress. I just knew that whatever it was that they did, I was like, how can I do that? And uh, you know, the truth is I took a, a, well, at the time it was called, the, you know, it's the Fame High School. I think they've changed mm -hmm. the name of it now. It was the, you know, the High School of Music and Art. And I think it's now LaGuardia or, or, or something. But mm -hmm. I went to audition to be in the high school for the performing arts. Like I was like, I'm going to be an actress. And I went <laughs> down there, Jalen, and stood in line. And I was so intimidated by all these like, you know, artsy fartsy kids who were dancing in, in line and, you know, vocalizing and stretching. And I was like, I, I, I just... <laughs> I don't know what this is. Like, I have no talent. I just want to, I think I want to make people laugh. And what happened was I chickened out, but I knew I needed to go someplace special because I, my zone school was Erasmus Hall. Shout out to Erasmus. I know they've turned things around, but at the time it was a very violent school to be in. And I was so corny. I knew I was going to get beat up. <laughs> I, I just knew it. I knew it in my soul. And so I, I took the test to go to Brooklyn Technical High School. And the long story of it all is, um, uh, I really think that if I had gone to the high school for the performing arts, I might have been 
uh, a small fish in a big pond, but going to Brooklyn Technical High School with all these smart kids, uh, I could be the biggest fish of all and uh, developed a sense of humor there. And so that I could, uh, you know, win friends and influence people and, you know, make sure that people didn't laugh at me for being chubby. I was like, they're going to laugh with me instead of at me. (laughs) And it's where my understanding that humor is a connector really began. So let's talk about the Brooklyn Tech years, because when you look like us, a lot of times, as you mentioned, you love Carol Burnett, you love Flip Wilson. We're attracted to entertainment because that that's really how we were and why we were brought here in a lot of ways to entertain. So yeah. what were those years like for you, understanding that you were kind of different from your classmates in a lot of ways that you did have that talent and you did have that goal? You know, I found my home. I really fit in. You know, Brooklyn Tech was very racially diverse. And so so you had, you know, a group of, you know, a lot of immigrant kids went there. A lot of Caribbean immigrant children went there, right? A lot of them <laughs> yeah. people from the, from the West Indies. We used to call it the West Indies. West Indies, now it's the Caribbean. We had a lot of Asian immigrant uh, kids. You had Italian and Greek and, you know, just quite a mix. And so I fit right in because uh, I wouldn't, how do I want to say, I I made myself fit in by being, the the common denominator was, I'm going to make you laugh. Mm -hmm. Crazy Kim Coles. And so race became, for me, from my point of view, a non-issue. We were all there to learn. We were Mm -hmm. all sort of, I won't say outcast, but, you know, when you're like a a brainiac kid, because that's Mm -hmm. what they used to call you, you're a brainiac kid, you're a little weird and off the beaten chart you know off the path anyway so this is the place where we all came together so i i was never present to as a black girl or as a young black or as a black woman that i was you know dancing for somebody to make them like me i was Mm. busy trying to keep you from teasing me for being fat Mm. do you know what i'm saying it became something other but here's what's interesting is that you know brooklyn tech I don't know what their numbers are now, but we had a, like, I graduated with a thousand other people, 900 other people. And so to have become loved or beloved in any way in a place where there were so many uh, was delightful. I mean, you know, I was class president all four years in a row. Really? What? Jalen, not because I had any policies or programs. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, you had to get the gab and have people voting for you. That's it. I'm like, vote for me. I'll put an Eminem in my nose. I'm like, okay, crazy Kim Cole. So like, that's what I mean when I say I could, I, I won by being there, and I won. That's awesome. Understanding, uh, um, yeah, and so, and my friends were all Hughes, and from all the common denominator was that we were, you know, crazy smart kids trying mm-hmm. to figure things out. So, yeah. And that's a long answer. <laughs> no, was- it's uh, it, it, it's 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 detailed, and I, I want to acknowledge something because you brought it up a couple of times. Because for me, people tease me for having bad skin and for being skinny, mm-hmm. and used to call me rock teeth. Mm-hmm. And when you start to become a success story, you start to see that play out. I always want to have a fresh cut. I've gone to the dermatologist. I've done so. What was that transformation in your life and how did that affect your confidence then? And why is it so important for you to motivate others and continue to boost their self-esteem now? These are great questions, Jalen. 
um, I wasn't aware of that I was developing a skill that I would use for the rest of my life. And whether I had gone into entertainment or not, I discovered that comedy connects people. People will listen and lean in, and it's a way to, um, you know, have people see themselves. Let me say this too. Also, my style of comedy is not to put others down, mm. right? So I'm very connecting. I'm, you know, I'll imitate people, but it'll make them happy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, imitate. You know, my big bit at the time was I. <laughs> Roots was on the original Roots, and so Classic. I would go, right. I would go to school every day and do a medley of what had happened the night before. Mm. It was, you know, it was epic, yes. right? Uh-huh. And so. The thing was that I I was I realized now how important that I learned that I was learning a skill mm. that would serve me later on, and so maybe that's the confidence is that that we all, you know, as kids, whether we know it or not, uh, we're picking up, learning. You know, you know, it, sometimes it's really difficult, uh, but to learn to turn those lessons and to turn those gifts into something really beautiful that you are strong now because of those things that you went through. Um, and maybe you do get an extra, go to the dermatologist and get an extra cut so that no one can ever, you are, mm. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You are unbreakable, unteasable, un, yeah. un, you know, unbothered yes. because you become uh, resilient in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized in the, been, from a little bit of therapy, I've been accused of using comedy as a crutch and like, okay, it, it, but it got me through. Yeah. And who's to say, in my case, what I, I never even experienced the teasing, I mean, mild, right? Mm-hmm. right? I stopped it before I even thought it would happen. Who knows if it, if, if it would even happen. And I realize now that I now have that way of looking through the lens of things as a way of getting through life, that I have a perspective now that even when things are very difficult, I can find the joy in it. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I teach to this day that, you know, maybe it's not right, ha, right. Ha funny, but mm-hmm. it's finding joy, understanding that having a default position of joy is going to serve you no matter what you're doing. That's inspirational and incredible. I have to ask growing up and you mentioned a couple of names and you've mentioned roots. What were some of the TV shows you grew up watching that made an impact on you and your comedy? So Cal Burnett, Flip Wilson, uh, what's the show? The variety show Laughing. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Owen and Martin, uh, Mr. Bill Cosby, right? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Richard Pryor, um, yes. um, George Carlin. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, you know, there were great Johnny Carson show was really my if my parents would let me stay up late and sometimes <laughs> they would go to bed and I would stay up and watch, watch these entertainers whose names we don't even call anymore. Lola Falana. Oh mm, goodness. Oh, legend. Come on, come on. Um, yeah. All the game shows that were on then. So, you know, there was to tell the truth and, um, uh, you know, password and, you know, words that you could, you know, shows you had to use your intellect. You know, what's my line? You know, I'm mm-hmm. showing my age here. Uh, I never forget. There was a, there was a, a socialite named Kitty Carlisle. I don't know what she did, but she was on TV. She was fabulous just for being fabulous. And uh, so any of the uh, really intellectual, the writers like uh, Orson Bean and Mm -hmm. all of these, you know, intellectual um, bon vivants and celebrities, (laughs) celebritants. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know who they were, but uh, Orson Welles would go on these shows and talk. Just I was watching all of that and soaking it up, not even fully understanding. And I will say this, it was when I, somebody, I was working in Manhattan 
in the fashion business. And someone told me there was a one woman show by a woman named Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Mm. And they bought me a ticket, like all of our like little office mate, cape, you know, cubicle mates. Like, wow. let's go see Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I remember sitting in the audience like this, like, <gasps> oh my God, like this is it. And and now it was very real that someone who um looked like me, that I, I just fell in love that night and just was like, okay, this is it. And so I comedy and you'll ask me the questions I'll fill in the blanks but yeah it's all a part of and that's the thing about being in New York too that there's always um you know your 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 nervous system is being hit by so much so much that -hmm. then you have to distill it and go now who am I and what am I going to do with all this and that was me and as a successful award-winning industry veteran I'm a huge fan of yours and I've always appreciated your authenticity And so many times people want to do what we're doing for a living. So I have to ask, what were some of the obstacles you faced at the beginning of your career and what kept you going through them? Thank you. Um, So uh, the first obstacle was uh, anyone telling you what your voice should be Mm. or what you should look like. And I, I, and I I thank, I thank this man, God rest his soul. the, The guy who, ran um uh the comic strip which is where eddie murphy uh blossomed and that was where i wanted to be i was like i need to be at the comic strip so the man who ran ran it was like you need to do one of two things you either need to lose 40 pounds and become like a babe and that will Mm. get you in or you need to gain 40 pounds and become he told me to become the next nell carter Mm. so you need to become the stereotypical you know chubby black you know, neighbor, right. or you need to become a babe. You got to decide, but you're too in between. You're not fat enough to be skinny or skinny enough to be fat. And it was like, mm. well, wow. okay. And so I went on a quest to drop a lot of weight really quickly and unhealthfully. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying that I shouldn't or couldn't be healthier, Jalen, and I mm-hmm. should, but the way I did it was not right, but it got me noticed. It got me seen. Mm. I was wow. one of a kind. I was a female comic who didn't do self-deprecating material and didn't really talk really, really bad about men and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. in general, but not specific. I didn't dog right. out others and I didn't talk bad about myself. So I got noticed very quickly. So that was one of the hurdles I had to jump over, but not ever feeling like myself. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you say I need to look like, but I didn't, I look back at pictures. I go, you had it going on, girl. What was wrong with you? <laughs> but anyway, so there's that. And then it's a boys club. It's very much um, a male sport. Stand-up comedy in general is a very male-driven sport. Mm. Um, and so there were times when I had to navigate, well, girls aren't funny. Uh, women mm. aren't funny. Or getting put on last on the show, hope, you know, sitting in the back of the club, hoping mm. for a chance to get on. I was just telling someone recently that I realized now that, number one, um, I had surrounded, I was surrounded with other Black comics who were amazing and who were who, be, who became my friends and many of them were men and I married one of them which is another story I surrounded myself <laughs> with amazing men who were protective and, right. and beautiful and what we would do is we would go do our own shows and I should mm. say women and men but we formed a little Love that. you know like you know so like you don't want us at that club 
cool, we're going to do our own shows up in the Bronx or we're going to do mm-hmm. our own shows in in Harlem or we're going to do our own. Like you, I'm going to go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. Mm. Rather than sitting in the back of the club hoping I get on, mm. I'm going to go do something else. I'll go do some shows at some, you know, the, a basement somewhere, you know, church basement fashion shows or whatever. The, do you know what I'm saying? And so we created mm. our own uh, way of being if, if, if we weren't allowed in or invited in. And um, so those are some of the hurdles that, that I had to like, you know, um, overcome other people's vision of what I should do and what I should talk about on stage even. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just going to stick to what I know because this is what I know I can sustain. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things about being authentic, I think, or, you know, everybody throws that word around, but the truth is about being grounded in who you are and what you want to do mm-hmm. is then I don't have to pretend to be anything else. What you see is what you get. Yes. And it takes no extra energy to be this mm-hmm. right here. Yes. And that's refreshing. It, it, it really is. And, and from that, I have to acknowledge living single broke so many barriers and connected with such a wide audience. At what point did you realize that this show was something special and what is it like now knowing that it paved the way for so many other shows in the future? Um, I'll tell you now, and I've said this many times, I knew immediately that this show was going to be a hit. I didn't know how long it would last. I didn't know oh. that it would have far reaching, you know, beautiful um you know, <laughs> this experience that would just last and last and last. I didn't know that. I just knew it was going to be a hit because the six of us were magical together from the first table read. Mm. Uh, and there hadn't been anything like this. And, I, and I've been told many times that there was no couple like Sinclair and Overton on TV, you know, naive mm-hmm. and sweet and yep. loving and, you know, um, kind to each other. And of course it's a sitcom and we would have our moments, yep. but we hadn't seen that yet. Um, I can't tell you how many people I meet that say I became an, an attorney because of Maxine Shaw attorney mm-hmm. at law. <laughs> I became a stockbroker because of Kyle. And I, I love that he always rocked his African style. That was TC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that wasn't written on the page. He was like, I'm going to infuse this brother with this kind of hair and this kind of way of being um, entrepreneurship from Khadijah. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. noticed Ativa, you know, Kim <laughs> Fields was wearing wigs before girls were wearing wigs. You know? <laughs> um, so um, the impact is amazing. And I still get People saying woo 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 to me. Woo woo woo, by the way, it's not something that the sitcoms writers wrote for me. It's something that my mother used to say to me and my baby brother when words would fail her and she just wanted you to feel good. Woo woo woo, sweetie. Woo woo woo. And it means I see you. I love you. I acknowledge you. It's going to be all right. And mm. I ad libbed that on the show one day and they were like, I don't know what that is, but we're putting that in the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that love and I appreciate that love. And What's important, I think, for all of us, and I, um, and I, I think I can speak for all of us, is that there's not one of us who, when somebody calls us by that name, hey, Kyle, or, you know, hey, OB, that one of us doesn't go, that's me. Like, you know, yeah. we, you know there's, you'll hear stories of sitcom folks in particular that, um, you know, become so beloved for the character. And yes, you want to move and do other things. Yeah. Yes, you want to grow. Yeah. But there's not one of us that doesn't embrace someone um, who embraces us because of that show. Yeah. And, and, and as a fan, like we love Sinclair. 
And just for your knowledge, whether doing comedy or acting, when we call somebody by their character, that's iconic. I agree. Like in sports, that's like championships. When somebody <laughs> call you by a character. So I have to ask you, like, what was your favorite episode or moment from the show? By the way, thank you for that. I've actually said to people that they, hey, St. Clair. And I go, hi, my name is Kim Cole. I know you Kim Cole. Hey, St. Clair. Like, they, <laughs> like, I know your real name and I'm going to call yes. you St. Clair. You know. Like being a player. You play for multiple teams. Right. But mm -hmm. certain people come up to you and recognize you for that team. They don't care about nothing else that happened in your life or your career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I take the love. I take the love. So what was the question? I want to answer the question. So I wanted to know your favorite episode. Oh, okay. Like it was so many talented game changing people on that show. Like your favorite moments from the show or favorite episode. So many. You know, I just watched a clip of uh, Heavy D did a, 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 a like a recurring role in our show. It was so sweet. Overweight I mean, lover. The overweight lover in the house. And, uh -huh. So that's some of my favorites. But my one of my favorites. Um, one of my very favorites is an episode called Misleading Lady. So Sinclair had decided that she wanted to be a, an actress and she was trying to join a theater group, but they had no more room for women. So she dressed up as a man to, um, to get into the theater group. And it's hilarious because by the time they put a wig on me and I asked for sideburns, I look like Sinbad's brother. It's hysterical. <laughs> they had to bind everything down, you know, so I could look like, and my name was James Overton, you know, and, and I had Obi teach me how to be a dude. And it was long and right and hysterical. It's one of my favorite episodes. I had to really, you know, work for it and, you know, you know, act like, hey, what's up, pretty lady? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite episodes. One of the toughest things I found as a public figure is that we also have to be vulnerable because so many people know us and we don't necessarily know why they know us or what they want us for. And I have to congratulate you because the Kim Cole Academy is incredible. Oh, and you. those online courses yeah. teaching self-love, in general, self-acceptance, that's yeah. a game changer for so many. So I have to ask, what's your definition of self-love and how does someone take the first step towards it? Um, I'll tell you this, you know, after Living Single was over and after I shopped through all that money and mm -hmm. after I went through a dark depression, I had to have a rebirth. And ask myself, well, who am I? What what gifts? If I'm not on a TV show, then what? Because I don't have any other skills. I can't type. I can't cook. I can't, I can't do. And so I had to come to a place of understanding that my gifts will make room for me and and your gifts will make room for you. And so mm -hmm. my gift really isn't just that TV work. My gift is spreading joy and reminding others that they have a yes. gift within them. Yes. And so that's why I started you know, teaching it and speaking on it and developing products and services and programs. And, mm -hmm. and, and the first step to, towards self-love is to understand that you are here for a big purpose. You are mm -hmm. here. And not only are you here for a big purpose, but the dreams that you have, the hopes, the dreams, the wishes that you have would not be placed in you if mm -hmm. they were not meant for you to manifest them. Mm -hmm. They were not meant for you to make them come 
truth. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even occur to you. Mm-hmm. And so the work that we do is we represent, we show up and, and be ourselves and do the work that we do, right? Um, mm-hmm. You answered the call to answer your gift, your gifting, and you make it possible for someone else to say, hey, I could do that. Maybe I could do my version of that. So the first step is to is to just believe that you, you would not be here if you weren't here for something mm. powerful and you must step into it. And that will be the beginning. That will be the journey. That will be the, the day that you wake up. And um, is there some great quote that the, we all have a purpose and the day you realize you have a purpose is the the day that you get to start to take that journey or something mm. So that's a long answer. It's just that it's it's required. Actually, the price of admission is got to has got to be self-love. And people think that it's wealth and being, you know, attractive and the big houses and the big cars and all the, the red bottoms. Mm-hmm. Listen, when you walk, the red wears off. Yes. <laughs> when I discovered that, I said, I'm going to go to uh, the Nordstrom Rack and just get me some cheap shoes and call it a yeah. day. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Just shoes on sale, you know. <laughs> And, and so many times I'm fortunate enough to be a founder of a charter high school. And I talk to young people very often. And when they ask about what can they do to achieve their goals, a couple of things that I say are own the things that don't cost you anything. And you just mentioned one of them that I always talk about self-love. And then the other one is be kind to other people. So, so many times, just those two things right there put you on second base. Let me tell you something. I, I, I actually wish I could bottle that right there. Just be kind. It, it gets you so, first of all, you feel good about yourself. Hello, self-love. But it affects other people in ways that you're not even aware and, and I'll just tell you a quick story, if I may. Um, uh, mm-hmm. When I was on In Living Color, um, and I only spent one year there, and it was a, a, a tough place to work because um, because it just was. It just wasn't an easy <laughs> place to work, um, you know, if your last name wasn't Wayans or whatever. There's a whole lot of politics that were there. Right. And so after a year, I was I was released, and, and, and thankfully so, because I could go on to do In Living, mm-hmm. uh, Living Single, and I'm grateful. But I was kind to the PAs. This is back in the day when the production assistants used to deliver your script to your front door at two, mm. three, four o'clock in the morning yes. whenever the writers were done. Right. So I would leave little snacks outside my front door because these are kids, mm. you know, yep. they're hungry mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I, so cut two years later, I had an audition with the directors. Like, Hey, do you remember me? And I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't remember. Can you tell me who you are? He says, I was a PA on Olivia Cullen. You were always so kind to me. You were always so nice. You were, when we said you got to come to set, you would always mm-hmm. come on time, you know, and he, mm-hmm. and now he was in a position to possibly mm-hmm. hire me. And he says, wow. I always tell people that uh, about the people who were nice to me, who were kind mm-hmm. to me. And I laugh because I go, I didn't get the job that day, but I didn't go there to get the job. I mm-hmm. went there to get that, what you just talked about, really yes. reinforce that being kind. And you're right. If you own that, it really, it. it really affects people and they remember it. And there's a, an energy. And I think putting that energy out in the world absolutely comes back to you. I know that I've gotten opportunities because they said, who can we work with? That's going to be pleasant, make mm-hmm. it fun for everybody yes. else. Let's. I know that I've gotten jobs because of that. I know it. And opportunities. Absolutely. Because the opposite blocks your blessings. And I truly believe in that. And 
I'm really gracious that you took the time. But before you get out of here, I got a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? I'm scared. Come on, come on. Let's get it. Sinclair and Overton, iconic television couple, as we talked about on Living Single. But I have to ask you, who is your favorite TV couple? <laughs> Lucy and Ricky. Oh, classic, legendary. Classic, yeah. Ooh, Especially when I found out how much of a mastermind he and she were. Okay, Absolutely, okay, geniuses okay, in the game. Yeah, 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 okay. Literally. You yeah. wrote a book in the 90s <laughs> called I'm Free, But It'll Cost You, which is hilarious God on single life. And I know you're there with your better half, your partner, and he's probably listening right now because he helped you set up. What dating advice from that time do you think still rings true today? Oh, you're not gonna like this. Uh, 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 <laughs> fart and be free. <laughs> yes. Allow each other to pass gas. It will change. Yes. What are you holding back for? Come on. Yes, absolutely. And, and when you both share one bathroom in particular at a hotel, that challenges the relationship. Right. <laughs> Just, like bodily functions will happen. Embrace them and laugh. Yes, absolutely. The surreal life centers oh. on a group of celebrities as they've lived together in a mansion for two long weeks, which celebrity do you think would be great to watch on a show like that? Dennis Rodman. Good one. Good one. You have to keep him in the house. That's the only thing. You gotta keep him in the house. <laughs> I discovered so much about him and I don't want to say anything because it will all be revealed, uh, but I really, uh, he's got a big, I'll just tell everybody right now, he's got a big, big heart. Mm -hmm. And underneath all of that uh, tattoos mm -hmm. and piercings and hair color yes. is a giant, beautiful, beautiful heart. Yeah, I agree. Started out as a Detroit Pistons bad boy, went on to be a multiple time champion and in intellect. The best non-center rebounder to mm. ever play in the NBA. No question. Love Dennis Rodman. Lastly. And he's, and he's wonderful, but go ahead. Yes, and he's crazy and he's wonderful. And I've seen him in multiple strip clubs and all of that stuff too. <laughs> Lastly, <laughs> what are you hoping audiences take away from your new show? And congratulations. It's called Finding Happy. Ah, I hope that people take away that the journey towards happiness, the journey towards peace, the journey towards self-love is a worthwhile journey and it's an inside job. Start on the inside and you'll get yourself there. Love that. Thank you very much. You are an icon, a legend, Kim Coles. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you and thank you for all that you do in the world. We need more of you. Thank and I you. think that you're creating it with your schools and all the other things that you do. Thank you. Last call, last call. I'd like to thank Kim Coles for stopping by the podcast. Her talent, energy, and humor are infectious. I'm excited to see what new project she's working on, whether it's TV, acting, motivational speaking, or whatever she decides to accomplish. One thing that stood out to me about Kim is how she shared a piece of advice that I'm always carrying. You ready for this? Be where you're celebrated, not tolerated. A lot of us have to actually learn this the hard way. 
after being in spaces where we're not appreciated. Part of why Kim's life turned out the way it did is because she decided to be true to herself and her comedy. She didn't want to be in places where she had to become someone else in order to be accepted. And you know what happened? She ended up on a classic show like Living Single, which would define her career and celebrated her style of humor. I think that's so very amazing. So I ask, what are the places where you're celebrated in life? Is it by your friends, family, co-workers? Whatever that is, hold on to it because we all deserve to be appreciated. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.